And now, the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. Yes, welcome into the Houston Football Show. We are back and for a big edition of the Houston Football Show, Season 1, Episode 6, and this episode is called the 2022 Houston Texans because the roster is finally built, and it's actually 52 right now, if I'm not mistaken. We'll let Aaron clarify everything, and yes, I have Aaron Wilson with me, as I always do, my co-host Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network's NFL insider, also KPRC. C2 and Sports Talk 790 Texans Insider. His fingers have been burning away today, and we're only going to keep you for half the uh, show tonight because I know you're exhausted. You've been breaking news left and right. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling? I feel great. You know, it, it was a long day, but it, it's uh, always good to keep in perspective how difficult it is for these guys, these men that, you know, got very close to making the NFL roster and you know, not necessarily don't be dramatic, like the dream is dying, but for some it is, you know, they might not have a lot of football left in them or they might catch on somewhere else. But in many cases, this can be the end. And it's a frustrating situation because for these guys, they work so hard to get to this point. So there's a real human element to this and we all have jobs to do. And you know, my job is to find out who's on the team and who's not, but right. while you're doing it, yeah, there's a, you know, humanity to it and you just wish people well and you, you know, don't want to be overly aggressive and in, in trying to find out who's right, there. Right. Uh, but, you know, there were certainly some really interesting moves uh, that happened. One that caught me Texas. right off, Aaron, was Kevin Pierre-Lewis. We saw him running with starters. Uh, is there an extra layer to this or is, for lack of a better term, is it is what it is at this point? With well, they're loaded at that position. So True. even though, yes, he did get some run with the ones and he can play, he does have an injury history. He had hamstring issues, placed on injury reserve last year. He had a concussion previously. So he has enough injuries that you worry about him getting dinged. And I think it was primarily just the combination of the depth and his durability issues. So – there was 100% no, as nothing far as else. No, I wouldn't say anything really like that wasn't well known about him and that impacted that decision by Texas general manager Nick Casario. Marlon Mack uh, kind of turned some heads around NFL circles today with uh, his name being mentioned out there when his cut came down and uh, you put the news out there about Marlon Mack being cut didn't really catch us by surprise from what we've seen out at camp and I, I don't think it caught uh, most of the local media by surprise as well but uh, what were you hearing about Marlon Mack and I'll throw this out there I don't think this would be the case with Marlon Mack but I know th this is you know, we see roster gymnastics this time of year, Aaron, as you know, far too well to where you might release a vet and then have a deal to bring them back on after you put a couple guys on IR. Any of these guys, as we go th through them, are, is, are there some ongoing conversation that you think they may come back? Yes, I do think that's the case. You know, like Jeff Driscoll, I think he'll be coming back to the practice squad. But in the case of Marlon, I, I think he'll go and find his market elsewhere. Mm, okay. And, you know, it's hard to go from you were on the starting lineup, but now we're going to do, we don't want to guarantee your contract for the whole year. So you can come back after week one. I mean, he's going to get a job. He's represented by Drew Rosenhaus. Drew's going to burn up the phone lines and right. Absolutely. Many people owe Drew favors. And this was a two time thousand yard rusher. So, and I thought he was just starting to play a little bit better to the point where you could make the argument that maybe he could have waited and seeing what could he do in tandem. I, I think a lot of it has to do simply with Damian Pierce and just his, Absolutely. what an excellent prospect he is, how good he looked during the preseason, checking all boxes. So because they feel that good about Pierce, having Mac, I guess, felt a little bit redundant. I question if they needed Mac because at least he's got some wiggle and ability you know, to make some good runs. And I wonder – do they have enough going with him in terms of Rex Burkhead, in terms of you know, Dario Gamale, and then just all the you know other guys? Royce Freeman's a power back. Right. So, you know, do they have enough or is they gonna 
go look for a running back. Uh, you know, I think obviously with them only having four wide receivers, Nico Collins, Brandon Cooks, Chris Moore, and Philip Dorsett, having cut Jalen Camp, who I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, he'll make the team. And instead, he's off, and they'll be looking at other wide receivers. And there's players out there, Jason, like Preston Williams, cut by the Dolphins. There's Tyler Johnson from the Buccaneers. There's a lot of receivers mm, out there. That's a good name. Yeah, some guys. I don't. I'm not reporting. I, I right, no right, right. You're just talking about doing, some guys that are out there. Absolutely. People out there, and you know, I think the not that it was a surprise for everybody that covered the preseason, that covered the camp, but you know, the another headliner was trading Ross Blacklock, and they managed to get a sixth rounder out of it. They had to give a seventh rounder and give Ross away, but they did get a sixth round pick. It's not what you hope for when you have a second round pick. You want him to play right. for you, but he was <laughs> sure. from the other regime. He was a Bill O'Brien draft pick, and they moved on, and he wasn't going to start, and they have some young guys that I think outplayed him, and Michael Dwenfor and Kurt Heinish. They kept uh, 10 on the D-line, so I mean, trading them away and like you said, that, to get that, that six, might not that's be it. value. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, could, All right, so it sounds like some breaking news. And I was so surprised the because yours. Harris, they just had so many defensive ends. But I was absolutely know, can... shocked by the Damone Harris. I think that's a great point you bring up as well. Um, I Honestly, I thought if, if he didn't play on par, uh, I thought he played better in Rasheem Green, if not at least on par. Is that where you're going with some possible more trades could be coming with well, 10 on that D-line? They could use one of the defensive ends. They could also just simply use the waiver wire. He didn't do any waiver wires last year. Around the league, there were 27 waiver claims awarded from 19 respective teams. The New York Giants were third. With him ranking third, I would think he's going to do at least one. He's adding somebody. All right, let me put you on the spot then. Call your shot. If he's going to do at least one, there's a couple spots that, I mean, they kept 27 on defense, 22 on offense. And I'll get you clarity because I got an asterisk right there on the offense. But uh, what position, if you had to call your shot, what position do you think uh, the Texans would use if they only do one waiver claim? What position do you think it would be at? You know, as tempting as it is to say wide receiver because they only have four, the tight end position is in tough shape. Because Tegan Cuatoriano, although on the roster right now, is going to be placed on injured reserve. So okay, I thought I saw you mention that. I haven't seen anything they're, about it, but I so thought I saw you. They're just going to have okay. right now Farrell Brown coming off a hamstring injury, Brevin Jordan, who dropped that pass on the yeah. sideline when he was really wide open. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, they've cut Mason Shrek. They've cut um, Anthony Eau Claire. Seth Green, so they don't have a lot at the tight end position, and it just makes me feel like they're pretty desperate for a tight end right now. So you think it's so desperate that, well, we've seen them give up a six-round pick, even though that trade was voided. Side I mean, note here, what is up I mean, with Casario in the six-round picks? He's had five <laughs> six-round picks. Now, obviously, one went out for Cashman, one out went out for Adam Shaheen, right. bringing it back full circle to tight ends before that was voided. But now he still has, uh, he had five minus the Cashman. He's got four six-round picks after the Blacklock trade, if that one is indeed for 2023. It is for 2023. Oh, wow. Uh, and the fact is, six rounds, sometimes you find a good football player. Obviously, Tom Brady being a good example. But you can find someone usually there that in the seventh round, it's very much the equivalent of the undrafted free agent. Absolutely, yes. So Six rounds is sort of a cut above, and you can package a couple of six and get yourself into a fifth. And we know Nick Casero loves the will and deal. We saw it trading back this year uh, from 13 to 15 to Kenyon Green. He picked up three picks. I believe two of those were six, if I'm not mistaken. And he used every single one of those picks that he acquired to move up and other trades to acquire other players. So he's playing chess with it. I know we use that old adage far too often, playing chess when others are playing checkers. But I think Nick Casario is truly doing that. And one of the guys that doesn't fall under Nick Casario again was on the previous regime, Max Sharping. This is another guy, former second-round pick that uh, the news came out today. What were you hearing around the league? Was, it, was there some surprise or did they feel like this was coming? I think Max knew, in fact, a player told me this uh, from another team that Max had said he knew a couple weeks ago that he was going to get cut. 
So sometimes just players know where they stand. It sounds like Max was not caught off guard by this. So it might be surprising to some because he's a former starter, he's a second round pick, but you have to go off the performance, you know, and he did right. struggle against the Rams. He had his moments where he just wasn't really able to stop these guys and his footwork you know, looked a little slow and he was very susceptible to spin moves in particular. And, you know, he could get the quarterback hit uh, like he did in LA got Davis Mills hit. So even though, you know, I think a lot of it too is what did they draft? Well, they have Kenyon Green. They also yep. have Justin McCray, and I think Justin had a really good preseason. So they and you got Quesenberry, who can play some interior as well. Right, he can play that position, and then you know they felt comfortable with him more so as a center than with Jimmy Morrissey. So they could have Jimmy Morrissey on the practice squad. So they cut their right. other center, but yeah, you know if you look at the moves, you know they were going with the youth. They're trying to build youth, so. That's why you keep an Austin Deculus instead of a Cedric Agwehi. Now, Agwehi might Great be point. a little bit better player right now, but right. you're betting on the upside. So if you're a Texans fan and you care about development and you're thinking big picture, then you have to be happy with the roster decisions he's making. And so you might feel like, well, what's he doing to make us really competitive against the Colts? He's going to work on that. He's got to get them going a little bit better on the offense but I really feel like Jason that he has a plan. And I think one big takeaway I have is that this is a meritocracy. That it's not about politics. It's not about draft status. It's not about who they like. I think they just go off of how did you play? So, you know, when I look back at their roster decisions, I don't see any that are like, wow, why would you do that? But, you know, like cutting Conley, Conley plays special teams. Conley doesn't really play a, do a lot of receiver, but you know, he's well liked by the team and they still cut him. And yeah, I mean, and, and, most of us thought they wouldn't do. Well, yeah, but 100%. I thought that's a great point because that's one of those guys that you thought the relationship would play into it. You yeah, can watch the film, did. you know, you got a vet guy that can provide depth at different positions, but uh, the, the uh, relationship didn't play into that. Now it allows them to go out there and make the bottom of that roster, especially that wide receiver position, that much better. Now you're listening to the Houston Football Show presented by Inside Edge with Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. We've got Mark Larson producing for us tonight. We appreciate him so much. Uh, I want to get into what this episode is truly about before we let uh, Aaron go this evening. And that's about the 2022 Houston Texans. Because when you make the 53-man roster, at least that initial 53-man roster, uh, that's the unveiling of the new team. So this is the 2022 Houston Texans, until it's not. And so with that in mind, I want Aaron to run down with us, using his expertise and knowledge around the league, of where the roster currently stands. And we'll, we'll go to offense before you got to take a first break of the evening. But that quarterback position, uh, catch the people up that maybe they haven't been able to follow all the followings. I know you touched on Jeff Driscoll a little bit earlier, but where does the quarterback position on this roster stand currently? Right. At quarterback, they've got Davis Mills. He's entrenched as the guy. And then you have Kyle Allen, and then you're going to put Jeff Driscoll on the practice squad if he clears waivers. So they'll have three quarterbacks. They just won't have all three on the active roster right now. But I can Any see, thought to upgrade Driscoll? I just don't think so, it's that. I mean, they like him. I don't think it's that's something that okay. they feel that pressed to do. Okay. I mean, sure, there's other people out there, but they don't know this system. And they That's don't, fair. you know, he works well with the other quarterbacks. Some of this, and especially when you talk about quarterback, it's intangibles, Jason. It's like who works very well close. together. And, you know, he's someone that he's very close to Davis. Oh, so. nice. Nice little nugget. I did not know that. All right. Well, great point then. Yeah. I mean, that absolutely could help solidify his position there, especially when you talk about if you get down to the third quarterback, your season shot anyway. <laughs> you know, uh, so let's move on to that running back position. Aaron talked earlier about the Marlon Mack cut coming down. Uh, he he briefly mentioned some of the guys, but let's hit on that halfback, uh, you know, halfback and fullback position. Who are the five guys on the Texans and how solid are, are, are their footing? I know we've seen you know, Royce Freeman do a little bit more, you know, some fullback reps, some halfback reps, uh, a little bit more here in the preseason. Surprise people with him being on the roster, present company included. Um, uh, let us know the landscape of this, uh, this uh, halfback position and fullback position. 
Aaron, did we lose Aaron for a second? Aaron. All right, we lost Aaron for one second uh, until we bring him back on. Uh, What we're going to run back down again, you're listening to the Houston Football Show presented by Inside Edge. Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network's NFL insider and KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790 locally here in the greater Houston area. uh, Texans insider for them as well. Now, do we have Aaron back on with us? All right, we still don't have Aaron, and I know sometimes we'll have to have him drop out if he's got breaking news coming in. I don't know if it's his connection or if he has some news coming in. So keep your eye towards his Twitter because with his Twitter, you know that's where he's been breaking news all day long. It's been a crazy day. We've got to catch our we've got to catch our first break, uh, and when we'll come back, we'll catch up with Aaron and get the rundown on the rest of the roster. First, let's hear from our sponsors. You listen to Houston Football uh, Show presented by Inside Edge. For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. All right, we're back here on Houston Football Show presented by Inside Edge. Uh, we're going to go back to Aaron Wilson. We're continuing to break down the 2022 Houston Texans as they unveil their new 53-man roster. Before we get into that, I know, Aaron, you mentioned that Tegan Quitty, uh, Quitty or I know, uh, I, I massacred it. My bad. That's on me. Uh, I've got to do better. We've all got to do better. Last regime. Okay, I got to move on from that. All right, Aaron, but with the short-term IR ruling, does that currently put the Texans really at 52? No, they. Uh, when you look at the roster and, and the way they're at right now, your, your question was, are they at 53? No, I know they were at 53, but then I believe you're reporting that uh, the rookie tight end, Tegan, is, was, um, yeah, had an injury and was going to short-term. He's going to that, and then what I think they'll do – They'll have to add another tight end to replace him. Right. They'll also have to form their practice squad. So a lot of these players, I can, I'll go down a little bit uh, and list who, who I believe is going to the practice squad. Oh, okay, nice. Um, and so we'll break that down. But the, the fact is, they Tavier Thomas is not going to be ready for the first game, but maybe he can be ready for the second or the third. So they have the decision to make. They have not yet made that decision determination on. What are they doing with Tavier and his quadriceps injuries? That's an important decision. So they might need more help at the DB spot. But, yeah, let's go over it. Um, as I see it and what I've heard, they would want Graylon Arnold, Jalen Camp, probably Jacoby Francis, Seth Green. I think they'll want Johnny Johnson, Tristan McCollum, Jimmy Morrissey. They can have an extra one because Adedayo Odeleye he was cut, but that's a procedural thing. So he sure. will be coming back and be assigned to them all year. And he actually had a sack in a preseason game. Right. So then yeah, you have the Harris Stickler. had the pressure on that, I remember. Uh, yeah, you have Connor Weddington. You can have veterans on this too, but Jeff Driscoll is the only one of the players whose contract was uh, terminated that I think would be coming back necessarily for a practice squad spot. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. That would and make there'll sense. be people Constantly. from other teams, from other like in cards you pick up from the discard pile, so they'll be picking up other people. All right, so we're looking at that tight end position. I'm curious, do you think are they in dire need so so bad that they could bring on two tight ends now? Maybe trade for one, maybe claim one, or maybe just sign a guy off the street. Uh, do you believe they're in the market for two, or do you think the focus is solely bringing on that uh, another blocking tight end? 
Uh, ideally, you get a wide tight end that can do both, but it's hard to find them. I think that they're going to be looking around. Uh, you know, the biggest name out there is O.J. Howard. So maybe he's someone that they would kick the tires on. But, you know, I think with O.J. Howard is I I think, you know, when we talk about these vests being released and having that wink, wink deal where they come back, I think uh, the reports out of Buffalo is that he might actually be coming back to the Bills. But, yeah, I think that's a great point. If it doesn't happen with the Bills. His choice, though, maybe maybe he. Absolutely. That's a great point. Uh, that's a name to keep a you know keep an eye out. I mean, you definitely would love to have that addition to the roster there with Brevin and Farrah at that position. On the offensive line position, you touched on it a little bit, Aaron. Justin McCray, uh, you know, he played, uh, he can play the interior, left guard, center, right guard, same as uh, you know, same as Scott Quesenberry. Now, do you think they're looking to add somebody else more on that interior? I think in case Kenyon stumbles or has uh, struggles in pass pro or in his condition on his way uh, back. No, I'm not hearing that. I think they feel okay about their, interior. they like their vets. Yeah. I think that Justin is a key guy for them as that swing interior guy, but you know, Quesenberry does a little bit of that too. And then what you have, you know, Kenyon, they're hoping that he can, It'll be ready. I, I hope that from a conditioning standpoint, he's ready to play a whole game. But he's very impressive. He was – we didn't get a chance to talk about the last preseason game, but I thought that was one of the more important things that happened uh, beyond the fact that Pierce was able to duplicate another impressive performance and show that Absolutely. there was no clue. Yeah. But I like what I saw from Kenyon. I mean, name the last time the Texans had a guard like that that was getting downfield and doing stuff. I think Brandon Brooks was the last guy that could do something. Oh, some man, things. when he was coming out of Miami, Ohio, uh, that dude was like – he was 340, but it wasn't fat. I mean, that dude was just solid, like, from the calves. His calves were 100 pounds each. That dude was just solid like a brick wall that could run. So, yeah, yeah. that's a great point. I mean, somebody get excited about, uh, like that Brandon Brooks pick, what they're well, seeing early from Kenyon Green. So now it looks like starters, that they have four rookie starters. Whether he names them starters or not doesn't really matter to me. I mean, run them down. If Rex – plays but he has more touches i consider him basically the guy the primary back true yeah and then when christian harris is back does do they get five rookie starters which will be incredible Mm. now some of it too i mean it's good drafting but it's also that this roster that's a fair point we need an influx of talent so it's a little bit of both yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair yeah, point. I, was, now, I, think, I think Nick does a good job. I mean, oh, he's killing I think it. He's, I think he's also gotten more comfortable in the seat because, you know, when you're running the show for the first time last year, but this time now he's a boss for the second year in a row. And I think it makes a difference. Are you still on AOL? What's going on? At, do you, I, you've got mail. Uh, those are, <laughs> I know sorry. the phone's blowing up. No, completely those joking. Are text I, alerts. I know. I know the phone's blowing up, and we're going to let you get back to it because I know you got more news probably breaking even at this late hour. Uh, but before we get to that defensive side of it, uh, let's run, run back. I know when we got cut off, you were touching on the running back wide receiver position. At that wide receiver position, you talked about some different guys that could be on that 16-man practice squad. You also added that uh, the international player Adelaide kid uh, gets an exemption if they choose to use it so where they could technically have 17 players on the practice squad. Now you mentioned Connor Weddington, Jalen Camp, and Johnny Johnson a third. I I thought they could keep all three on the practice squad because you can bring guys up throughout the year to play up to three regular season games without them counting against the 53. Do you think they keep all three or do you think you're, you're going to see uh, two of their favorites or whatever it may be. As far as the practice squad, I mean, Connor yeah, practice squad. Yeah. Practice I mean, Weddington might be there, there too, you know, so it might be. Well, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like Weddington, Jalen Camp, and Johnny Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think they definitely want camp. I mean, that nice. Okay. That I've heard. Yeah. But I, I think right. he's got some upside. And that talks about that 70-man roster Lovey was talking about at cup, uh, camp not too long ago. Before we move to the defensive side, you were touching on the running backs, uh, especially Dare and Royce, Pierce, uh, Damian Pierce, Rex Burkhead, and obviously the rookie Troy Harrison. We don't want to brush over that. That's quite an accomplishment for a former defensive lineman coming as a rookie and beat out a pro bowler. Tell us about the over the overview of this. And I'm curious if you think Royce Freeman is a placeholder for a claim at that position or a free agent sign or whatever it may be, or do you think they like his versatility? 
I think that Royce, they do like, and they like that he's a bigger back. I think he's someone that, you know, you look at what he brings to the table, and he's you know brings some size, brings some toughness, has a little bit of wiggle. He can do some things. Um, I've got to take this call, Jason. So Absolutely, one hundred percent, Aaron. Say no more. Go do your job. All right, that's Aaron Wilson. That's my co-host. And from time to time, you're going to see that happen, especially on Cut Down Day. And the uh, let's go ahead and mute Aaron. We don't want anything to come out over the airwaves that we don't need anybody else to hear. So let's. All right, I appreciate that. Uh, we took care of Aaron on that. We're going to let him go. Break news. Uh, keep an eye on his timeline. He's got more followers followers than me. But I'll go ahead and throw it out there in case you aren't following him, which is criminal at this point, at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL on Twitter. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. Maybe that's a trade coming in. Maybe that's a, uh, what the Texans are possibly thinking. That's why we love to pick his brain here each week on the Houston Football Show presented by Inside Edge. All right, we're going to keep rolling with this. What I wanted to get to with Aaron before we hit the commercial, um, you know, the halfway point and let him go, was just the defensive side. So I want to quickly run down through this the defensive side of this 2022 Houston Texans roster. And what we see, what sticks out to me, let's start with that defensive line group, is that they kept 10 guys. And Aaron kind of planted a nugget, if you remember, if you were listening closely at the beginning of the broadcast, where he said, well, we talked about the Ross Blacklock trade, and he slid in there. Well, that might not be the only one, and it was talking about that defensive line position. And I tried to get out of him if it's Rasheen Green, and I don't think he went any farther. But uh, right now, currently, they've got ten defensive. Ta- I mean, t- ten defensive linemen, five D tackles, five defensive ends. I don't know if they want to hold that many. I I I, I doubt they do. And, you know, Aaron's hinting that there could be a possibly trade or another move coming there at that defensive line position. And the thing is, Lovey said a couple weeks ago after a practice at camp uh, um, on and how it related to how many players he liked to keep on his roster at D-line and linebacker. And he rephrased the question, I'm paraphrasing here, but said that uh, he focuses more on how many he likes to dress. And he says he likes to dress eight defensive linemen on game day and six linebackers on game day. So keeping 10, that's really only two depth, quote unquote, but you also have the practice squad to protect you as well. So, could this be just him being keeping the talent that's there? Because, I mean, it's not like they're forcing 10 on the D-line. It's legitly talented. And then Damone Harris should have made the group. Uh, and, and I guess it also shows you how far down Ross Blacklot has fallen when you've got 10 guys they kept. Damone Harris could have been on the roster, and hopefully he's able to return back to the practice squad. And uh, then you got Blacklock. I mean, so so deeply down there to get a six round pick in return. I just think you take that as a win at this point. But uh, definitely think there's going to be some more movements on that defensive line before week one. Defensive ends a premium position. If the Texans trade Rasheen Green, they would free almost three million more off of the salary cap. Now, the linebacker position as well is another one they kept up. They kept eight guys. I'm gonna be honest. They kept Jake Hansen, which had flashed during the preseason, but it surprised me they kept him, and they kept Neville Hewitt. We talked earlier about Kevin Pierre-Lewis getting runs with the ones uh, in a lot of portions of camp before excuse me, before uh, he was was cut. And so and they still have eight players at that linebacker position, and they uh, their 10th guy that was at that linebacker position, Tay Davis, was cut, and the Raiders immediately claimed him. It just shows you that depth they have at that linebacker position. But I don't think they're going to carry eight linebackers, but I think this is Canary, uh, Casario again playing chess. And I don't want to keep going to that old adage and burn it to the ground, but I think Casario, man, uh, it, it, <clears throat> He's showing to be, I don't want to give an overstatement, but a better mastermind at his craft. He's not overreaching. And I think the move with Jake Hansen was another chess move to where <clears throat> while everybody is claiming waivers and filling out their roster and they got to cut guys they don't want to, and then they claim guys that they like. Well, after they do that for a day or two, they've got their roster pretty much set on the guys they love. It's going to be hard for them to part with those guys. So then you try to sneak somebody back a couple days later. 
And I could see them trying to make that move with Jake Hansen to just try to get him to the practice squad. Because if you just cut him in this first wave, I don't think he's protected and he could get he could get scooped up. Other than that, when the depth that Lovey says he likes to have at that linebacker position, I, I think you could see seven guys there unless somebody wants to come up and trade. Uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, uh, I think they would have kept him over Jalen Reeves-Maven. But when they gave that contract to Jalen Reeves-Maven, they basically forced their hand that they can't move on from Jalen Reeves-Maven Maven without a trade. I mean, if they just if they just cut Jalen Reeves Maven, like they cut Kevin Pierre Lewis, right? And I think the dead money was like a million, if I'm not mistaken. Cap savings maybe a million. Well, if they did that same thing, but they cut Jalen Reeves Maven instead, it's almost five million dollars in dead money with almost no cap savings. It's just not beneficial. So sometimes you just gotta follow the money on moves. Also want to get into a, a couple of trades the Texans might be monitoring and also uh, the injury updates on Christian Harris, Tavier Thomas, Garrett Wallow. Uh, he touched on those guys a little bit, like what he said about Tavier Thomas, gave us another little nugget there. That's the most I've heard recently or in quite some time on Tavier. Thought they might place him on IR. It sounds like they're having internal discussion per Aaron Wilson that um, – that maybe they hold him on that active roster if he's only going to miss the first two games because if they put him on IR now, they've set the 53 so he can come back from IR. He's cleared that hurdle. But if they put him on short-term IR, he's not coming back to week five. If he's able to return week three, then I definitely understand hold him on the active roster. If he's not coming back to week four, then maybe just bite the bullet and, and just miss that week. I arm to free up the roster spot. And at that point, maybe Graylin Arnold comes back from the practice squad, assuming he goes unclaimed. Just show people his face. They, they won't believe he's an NFL player. The dude looks 16 years old, I swear. Go look up a picture right now. All right, but don't do it right now. But before we get to the second half of the show, I need you to pay attention to this and not Graylin Arnold's baby face. Uh, and the reason I need you to do so is because Aaron Wilson and myself, we really want to build up this Houston football show. We're partnering with brands that we buy into, professional brands that we uh, we believe in. And we need you to trust our sponsors and invest in our sponsors. Check out their craft. And this one is basically a no-brainer. Our, our our title sponsor, Inside Edge, for the Houston football show here, has insane stats. And you might ask, well, where does this come from? Is this just one of these new analytical companies that popped up? No, this is this is Moneyball before Moneyball. Almost 30 years ago, you know, almost 27 years ago to be exact, they came up with these systems and started selling it to professional sports teams. Now they sell them to baseball teams, professional baseball teams, NFL, NBA. They sell this product to some of your favorite sites that you go out there like, man, where those get did they get those stats from? Well, those guys, those businesses and those pro teams got the inside edge. And now you can, too, at myinsideedge.com for free. You can take advantage of these insights and analytics. A stat I put out a couple weeks ago about Davis Mills being number one among all quarterbacks in the NFL last year and passer rate when he scrambled out the poor, uh, pocket. I think it was 105.3, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't look that up. I barely got out of math in high school. I'm not adding calculations on quarterback rate. That's the inside edge. And you can get that as well. Whether you're talking DFS to get the edge up in your fantasy league to talk trash, win some money, or if you just – and they've got this stuff for analysts as well. They sell it to play-by-play -play teams, uh, the professional teams, the PR departments. Again, everyone else is getting the inside edge. You have to, too, at myinsideedge.com. And if you take care of any of their packages, like their five-star picks, which had a 70.8 success rate last year, you can get 10% off by using code Houston. That's code Houston for 10% off. Inside Edge. All right, we're back for the second half here. Jason Braddock, Aaron Wilson had to dip out. After the first half of the show, some breaking news coming in. You've seen him working all day long. Uh, knew he was going to have to leave the show a little bit early today. We've got it situated. Uh, I'm Jason Braddock, and again, as you're listening to the Houston Football Show presented by Inside Edge. And what I wanted to do in this second half is just get to some of the positions, because in that first half, we went over guys 
that the Texans could go out there and, you know, fill the holes with, you know, Aaron touched on it a little bit. And we know some of the holes on the rosters. I tweeted out earlier, if you check the timeline, at Jason Braddock, Jason with a Y. Uh, you check the timeline, you see the 52-man roster. And I say 52 because Aaron's reporting that Tegan Quitiorano. I can't say it. I've got the – I've literally got the spelling guy right here. Let's try this again. We're going to try this live on air. This is frustrating me at this point. All right, let's go. Tegan Quitor – let's see, I messed up on the beginning. Quitiorano. All right. Tegan, anyway, is reportedly, per Aaron Wilson, going to get cut. Uh, not cut. See, I'm falsely reporting. Tegan's going to get placed on short-term IR. So you have to wait to the 53-man set. And then once that's set, you can place guys on IR. If you do it before then, they're out for the entire year, like Derek Rivers. If you do it after the 53-man set, then you can come back. You can have up to eight players come back. I say eight players, but a player can return up, you know, more than one time from the IR, uh, from the injured reserve in the same season. But each time they would count against those eight, eight times. So it's not technically eight players. So Tegan's one of those guys that could come back by week five and play for the Texans. And so with that, that puts the roster at 52. It also puts the Texans at just two active tight ends on the roster. The Texans are going to have to get a blocking tight end. Aaron talked about how they should want to go get a wide tight end, a guy that can, you know, dual threat, helps you in the receiving game, uh, helps you block it. But Rob Gronkowski's aren't, you know, aren't a dime a dozen. Those type of guys are extremely valuable. Blocking tight ends are a dime a dozen. Well, I mean, maybe high quality ones, no. But you're looking for a third guy that could step up if Farrah goes down and be that six, that six blocker on the line, mostly inline blocking. But you hope that he's got some chain, chain moving ability as a receiving threat as well. The way Brevin showed in camp this year was something to be excited about. I raved about him in camp. I took pictures, put videos out there, you know, got people fired up about Brevin. Then we saw on the game the drop, but it wasn't just a drop. We haven't seen them just truly locked in. And some of that might be them trying to get him to do inline blocking more in preseason and focusing on his weakness. But after that drop, you need, I don't think, catching's a strength at this point if you're dropping wide open passes in the flat like that. So that being said, I don't think I would be comfortable going into a 17-game season week one with Mason Shrek and Seth Green. Uh, even being my fourth and fifth guy, being depth on the practice squad. So even if you claim that inline guy, I think they may still need to go get that fourth tight end, another receiving guy, because if Brevin regresses, he doesn't uh, progress, or if he just stays idle, I mean, you've got to see that development in him. Because there's there's not a ton of weapons in this offense. You're starting to get guys. Damian Pierce looks like he's going to be one. Brandon Cooks is a stud. Now, if we talk offensive line, you got a couple of extra guys. But at the skill position, you basically got you think Nico's going to be really good here in the second year. You know Brandon Cooks is a stud. You know Damian Pierce looks like he's going to be the truth. And then that's about it. You've got some other guys on, uh, you know, there on the line. So if Brevin's not the guy and he's your chief receiving tight end, you can't just have two in-line guys. And I don't, you don't want to call up Seth Green in week three. No offense to Seth Green, but you don't want to call him up in week three and him to be one of your top receiving options out of that tight end position. All right, so I'm going to move on to that wide receiver position, but the tight end position is definitely one you got to look look at. Aaron said earlier that it's got to be the number one focus. I don't think that's hyperbole at all. I think it's well stated. One position I've been talking about a lot, we've all been talking about a lot, but I think uh, the volume's been turned up a little bit more today after the cut of Chris Conley. The Connell Weddington, Jalen Camp, uh, Johnny Johnson III, none of them surprised anybody. Chris Conley, I wouldn't say it shocked anybody other than the sense, like Aaron said, that you probably thought there was going to be that relationship. Such a smart dude, great in the locker room, gives you depth at the position, but that wasn't good enough for this team this year. And they went four wide receivers, and they don't have the talent uh, behind Cooks and possibly Nico to be that thin at wide receiver. So this is another position that you're talking about at least one addition. Denzel Mims was a guy I liked coming out in the draft, thought he could develop into a weapon when you looked at all of his raw skill set and ability that he showed. But his first two years in the league, 
he's been buried. And each year the Jets have taken, they brought in Corey Davis and free agency or maybe a trade. Forgive me. I don't remember right off. If it was trade or a free agent signing. Then in back-to-back drafts, you bring in Elijah Moore, you bring in Garrett Wilson. These are talented, you know, first round type talent dudes, uh, studs right out the gate. And so Denzel got buried down as not getting the reps. And so I thought there may be some clay there still to mold. Year three, though, I want to see some development. And the Jets were trying to be maybe too smart for their own good. They're obviously hyping up the Jets media to really try to push Mims uh, so people would kind of trade and bring in value. Yeah. Um, then the Jets go out there in the last preseason game. They give Denzel Mims 35 offensive snaps and 10 special team snaps. Uh, one of one of the you know the most snaps for a wide receiver and fifth most for any offensive player in that last preseason game to spotlight it. And it, it did what the Jets wanted to do. Seven catches on eight targets, 102 yards and a touchdown. But where it hurt him at is that when you go back and watch Denzel through that game, even those seven catches, everything else, he's in his route, turning his head the whole time, like a 11th grader still trying to develop for his senior year. His blocking is piss poor. Special teams, he looks lost. I'm like, dude, I don't care how much time you've missed and how much you've been buried on the depth. You've got to give better effort than that. And then you can tell when he thinks the ball's coming to him, he's firing out the brakes. At other times, I'm like, damn, I thought he was more explosive than that. Then you realize, like, oh, he knows the ball's not coming towards him. So instead of giving up a seventh or possibly six-round pick for Denzel Mim, I would be out. And here's four guys. I'll give you uh, four guys. And these first two, I would say, are on a different level than the last two. And they're Johnson and Johnson. Kay Johnson. Go watch him at the Senior Bowl running one-on-one routes. Go watch him, a small school guy. I know he is cut by Seattle, but you remember you got DK Metcalf. You got Tyler Lockett. They used a high pick on uh, D. Estridge. Estridge. Um, And and so they've got guys. And that's not to say that Cade didn't shine. I think when Cade uh, got an opportunity here in the preseason, he showed well. The other Johnson would be Tyler Johnson. I thought it was going to be Jalen Darden, excuse me, Jalen Darden, who's got some special team value, can help you on returns uh, there in special teams, and also gives you a little bit of T.Y. Hilton that he could develop into as a wide receiver. But it was Tyler Johnson who doesn't give you as much on special teams, but is a hell of a wide receiver. And I didn't think, even with all the depth that the Bucs had, I didn't truly think that Tyler Johnson would be the guy that would get get cut uh, this preseason. But it's a numbers game. And then special teams, it always comes down to more you can do. Cage Johnson or Tyler Johnson should be a Houston Texan. Both are, are young guys. Either uh, you know, I think both are uh, – I think Tyler's a third-year guy, if I'm not mistaken. So they both should go through waivers. Jets have first – excuse me, Jaguars have first priority on waivers, then the Detroit Lions, then it's the Houston Texans. And it's not like, you know, you and your dad's fantasy league where, oh, yeah, I finally claimed the guy. Now I got to go down to the back and wait for everybody else. No, it's not like that. This waivers, you sit there, you're third in line. You get, you know, you get your, uh, you get your dessert. And you're like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. You go back, get some more desserts. Like, man, I want some more. People behind you starving. Like, man, it's my damn chocolate cake. Uh, Texans get all that chocolate cake. If the if the Jags and the Lions don't want the cake, oh man, Texans going to be some fat boys, especially on the offense, eating up all the cake. K. Johnson, Tyler Johnson, that should be one of those wide receivers that they try to get through the waiver waiver wires. A couple other young guys. I think both of these guys are second year guys, if I'm not mistaken. One from right up north. Uh, Right there in Dallas, Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, 6'1 in height. But he's got NBA-type plus wingspan. So he's a four, a mid 4'6", 40 guy. So, you know, you're going to go undrafted with those type of 40 times uh, if you don't have some other type of elite skill set. He does have an elite skill set, but it's one a lot of NFL teams, some NFL teams do, especially analytical teams, do take into account. But a lot of teams, they don't talk about it and it's not mentioned as much, but it's a weapon. He's got NBA-type plus wingspan. He's 6'1", if I'm not mistaken, his wingspan is 6'9", or 6'10". We're talking about plus 8, plus 9-inch-type wingspan. He's a possession receiver. Let him get minimal separation, put it in his catch radius, and let him do work. Brandon Smith is a guy that if you don't go after and get Cade, 
K Johnson or Tyler Johnson or they get claimed by the Lions or Jaguars. Uh, then Brandon Smith's a guy that I'd like to see the Texans bring on. And then right here in the AFC South, uh, Des Fitzpatrick. And you're like, well, the Titans don't have great wide receivers. I agree with you. But maybe it just didn't click for him and with, in Tennessee with what's going on. I liked enough from Fitzpatrick that at least kick the tires on him and see what, you know, see what you got in them, if anything, there. But those are four guys. You know, there's other guys out there as, available as well. But those are the four guys I would really circle at that wide receiver position, especially Kay Johnson and Tyler Johnson. If the Texans are able to bring either one of them into the fold, those younger guys with Dorsett and Chris Moore, let them compete with those guys for that three role. Oh, I think that's a win. Uh, I think that's absolutely a win there, and especially moving from Chris Conley to get some young upside in there at that position as well, too. Christian Wilkerson is a, a name intriguing as well before I move off of the wide receiver position. Um, because Nick Casario was in New England back in 2020 when they brought in the undrafted uh, Christian Wilkerson. He showed well late in the season last year. He killed it the first uh, week of the preseason this year. I think it was like eight catches on 12 targets or maybe it's either the first or second preseason game. And then in joint practice, he got a concussion. And so now the Patriots have waived him, you know, injured with the concussion. So. You have to imagine that he's going to reach an injury settlement from a concussion. And if the Texans haven't found that wide receiver by the time Christian Wilkerson clears concussion protocol and gets his gets his papers to walk, or unless the Patriots decide to bring him back in the fold, uh, that's another name I, I would I would keep in mind as well. All right, when we come back, I want to get into that running back position, offensive line. Alex Leatherwood, what running mate should we be looking for for Damian Pierce? Because this roster just ain't. It. All right, well, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors, Inside Edge, real quick, and we'll finish up this fourth quarter strong. For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and 14 against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. All right, we're back here on Houston Football Show presented by Inside Edge. I'm Jason Braddock, Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network's NFL Insider, and here locally, KPC, KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790's uh, Texans Insider. Uh, is normally my co-host, but you'll typically see on our podcast here, uh, this is Season 1, Episode 6. He'll have to go typically around the halfway point, especially on a day like today with breaking news coming in, and I'll finish out the second half. So a lot of times we'll get his viewpoint out there in the beginning of the show, let you hear from him, and I'll add a little bit of color to it there on the back end as well. So let's finish out this fourth quarter, and I know you want to talk about that offensive line. Everyone's in love with Kenyon Green, rightfully so. He showed so well in the run game. There is you know, a lot of growth he's got to put up in uh, NFL pass protection. But for a guy that's missed so much time uh, here in camp, uh, came back and they said he had a concussion as well. His conditioning didn't look great at points. Uh, I think what you saw was more than to be expected, even as a first-round pick. So hopefully he continues to put good practice after good practice together, uh, truly becomes a pro at the position working his craft. And then you're talking about an offensive line that can truly be something. But what if the pass protection, you know, I mean, when we're talking the hometown team, especially for fans and fanatics, we we typically lean towards the, the glass half full view on things. But there's always that that glass half empty that could be true to it on that that other 50 50 perspective. And with that in mind, what if Kenyon Green, the condition isn't there or knock on wood, uh, he's not ready week one or 
you know, they slow play. And I don't, I don't think Justin McCray or Scott Quesenberry is that guy that you want to see. I still think you can uh, upgrade that vet back up and maybe a guy that can give you a little bit more in case Kenya Green struggles. I think you know where I'm going with this. Last year's 17th pick overall, Alex Leatherwood of the Las Vegas Raiders has been a complete train wreck for the Raiders. I mean, they've tried him at guard. He was bad. They tried him at tackle. He was bad. I mean, they've moved him all over so much so that they just ate, oh, my gosh, I think it was like $8 million in dead money after they reportedly called all 31 teams and tried to move them, you know, for uh, uh, Doritos. But at least, you know, for extra value, I think it was Cool Ranch. So he had that going for him. Buy low, sell high, right? So – I'm buying low on Alex Leatherwood because a lot of times, you know, Aaron said something that I truly appreciate him saying uh, earlier at the beginning of the show, and it's the human element. Well, you know, a lot of times you just treat these as roster moves, like, oh, my fantasy team this, my fantasy team that. But there's a human element, like spouses, partners, kids, mom, dads, like all the way through the entire organization. And Let's take that back to the left. And I don't know if y'all have got a chance to watch the Untold series. Man, they're really well put together. But the one that really popped to me the other night was the Untold Manti Teo series. Man, I wanted to call this dude at 2 in the morning without him knowing who I am, never met him personally, and just apologize. And it's just that human element. It's almost like social media and this generation, you become a mob and just come down on people. But uh, because of that human element, Manti Teo talked about some of his struggles and it just really sounds like anxiety beating down on him. And man, your heart goes out to that man because he didn't do anything wrong. And yet his dream and what he worked for his whole career may have been sidetracked because of the anxiety of something that transpired of some downfall in the social media generation. So I say all that, and yes, that's a long ramble to say this, that with Alex Leatherwood, maybe it's mental with the kid. Maybe being that first round pick and struggling right out the gate, um, he couldn't get past. And then every time he misses a block, he sits there and he doesn't, he doesn't have the mental, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not the growth, but the the ability, like you have to be taught a lot of times on how to process hard things in life. If you've either got a father or your mother or a friend or somebody gets you through that hard time, I don't know this guy's upbringing. I don't know Alex Leatherwood's upbringing. But what I'm saying is there's so many other variables that it could be. And the fact of the matter is, is that if it wasn't a new coaching staff and GM, no matter how bad Alex Leatherwood look, he wouldn't be available. And if the Texans didn't have, you know, a horrible season last year record-wise, they wouldn't be in reach to possibly go with Alex Leatherwood because he's going to go through waivers now. And the Raiders ate the bulk of that first round, you know, the bulk of that first round contract, that dead money. Thank them. And if the Jaguars and Lions pass on him because he's looked so bad as a rookie and then into a second preseason, thank him. And then take that man and let him try to develop as a backup left guard with no pressure behind Kenyon and also your backup swing tackle. Because Charlie Heck, with them waving Cedric Abrahi, I understand the reason with the draft pick of Deculus and having to choose between the two and betting on Deculus's upside. That being said, if knock on wood, if TNT goes down, tonsil artitis, you're one injury away from Charlie Heck and then Austin Deculus. So, yeah, I think Leatherwood for many layers, especially when you talk about the potential that made him a first-round pick, whether you say it was a reach or overdraft or not, he was still a first-round pick. The mid-first round at that was 17th overall. Let them try to develop with no pressure. Like, hey, come in here. We just need you to compete at left guard, to be the backup left guard behind our first-round pick left, you know, first-round left guard we drafted this year. That's what the, that's what Casario comes out there and tell them. And what you what scouts are told is find the clay, and it's the coach's job to mold. Not everybody's a great molder. I remember the fourth grade, I brought home a, a, a ashtray or something is what I thought it was, but none of my family smoke, and I told them it was a cup. I'm not a good molder. Maybe, maybe the Raiders want good molders. 
And so I would definitely kick the tires on Alex Leatherwood. But there's some more. When you talk to Texas fans, you talk to those in the media, and you look at that offensive line, you love Titus. You love Tunsil. A.J. can show him well. Um, Kenyon Green, we just talked about how well he's shown. And with Justin Britt healthy and the mobility and adding those stretch zone elements and, and different parts of the offense, it can excite you. But most people say, I don't trust Justin Britt's health. And I think that's rightfully so. Alec Lindstrom was just cut from Dallas. Again, if the Jags or Lions pass on him, thank him. Keep taking that cake and let him come in and compete. You can't tell me you'd rather have Justin McCray and Scott Quesenberry over an undrafted prospect like Alex Alec Lindstrom. I know what McCray is. I know what Quesenberry is. And I also know Quesenberry's not making a ton of money. And if I move on from McCray, I save almost over two, what, 2.2 million in cap space. And I replace him with a guy with upside like Lindstrom. And I don't think Justin McCray's played well. And there's a reason I, I would move him out of there. Same with Mac, uh, with Mac Sharp and felt like both of those guys could be moved out. And then Scott Quesenberry can still provide you that backup depth if need be. But Alex Lindstrom's that guy I would want to come in, compete at that interior position and that center position. And I'd want him to overtake Scott Quesenberry at some point this year. Undrafted guy, third in waivers. If the Jaguars or Lions don't claim him, the Texans should be on Alec Lindstrom. All right, last segment of the night. We're going to your boy, Damian Pierce. We've got to get Damian Pierce a running mate. You're sitting there, you're like, all right, they cut Marlon Mack. I get it. Who they cut him for? Wait, what do you say? Rex Burkhead? Dare? Royce Freeman, what year is this? What year is this we're in right now? Tell me that. Because you're right. They don't have a number two. They've got five backs, if you include Damian Pierce and the fullback, Troy Hairston. Uh, and then you got Rex Burkett. Yeah, he's got a little bit of hands, short yardage back. Really good in short yardage. But he's not a number two back. Stay away from that ball as the number two back. Then you've got uh, Royce Freeman and Dari. Yeah, I think Dari, I would have rather kept Dari than Marlon Mack. I've said it numerous times. I mean, I just, I don't see, I didn't understand the hype and excitement of a Marlon Mack. He can't stay healthy, never been able to, and he's only played 32 snaps in the NFL since 2019. The injury histories are legit, and he's more athlete than running back. So who can you get for Damian Pierce for his running mate? Now, this one's not going to excite you, but it might excite Damian Pierce, and that's enough for me. LaMichael Piron, just drafted him, I believe it was in the fourth round. Then the next draft, uh, they went back and drafted uh, Michael Carter at running back. Then this year, they drafted Brees Hall at running back. They brought one. Robert Sala came over. He brought over his guys from the 49ers like Tevin Coleman. And so he's just been buried. And he hasn't been great when he played, but he hasn't been bad. I'd rather see if there's some upside juice, if it's just a lemon or if there's still some lemon juice in there and squeeze the hell out of it. Because Damian Pierce and Michael Pirine, and I don't know if they were buddies. I don't know if they are roommates, you know, but uh, while they were at Florida, you know, they shared they shared that backfield together. I think it was 2018, 2019 when they shared it together, if I'm not mistaken. But LaMichael P. Ryan would be the guy, but that's not the guy. I can't end the show on that. I'll I'll give you one more running back in a second. I'm going to give you another guy because I can't end, end the show on a third quarterback either because you're like, wait, I, I hung on to the end for, for a third quarterback. But I would bring in a third quarterback. Now, you heard Aaron mention a great element earlier in the show that with Driscoll, like him and Mills are friends. Pep likes him. There's that good relationship. So, yeah, you can bring him back on the practice squad. He knows the offense. I get all that. And I know the guy's name I'm about to say, you're going to throw up in your mouth a little bit. I'm going to need you to swallow that back down, grab a soda, something, wash it down. Nathan Peterman was just waived. I'm not talking about Nathan Peterman to compete to start. I'm not even talking about him as backup. But over Jeff Driscoll? Yeah, I don't know if he can run a tight ends route or not. But, I mean, you give me Nathan Peterman as the third quarterback. And if injuries hit, you know, again, knock on wood, you hope nothing happens to Davis Mills or Kyle Allen. But if injuries hit, Nathan Peterman with Pep Hamilton, man, I think that's a good fit. 
I think you can take Peterman's limitation with Pep Hamilton and have a move the chains offense while Lovey's trying to create the defense, constant pressure, and uh, come after and get those turnovers. And, and I think Peterman, if if Pep and Lovey, and if it came to that, they wanted to add him, could get him to be more protective of the ball. I think a move to change offense would – well, I'd be more intrigued by that than Jeff Driscoll because if Jeff, Jeff Driscoll goes back in there, it's because of his mobility to try to move the chains because you're not trusting him to make the routine throws consistently. I'd rather have that third guy that's not going to cost you anything, that's just buried, and he's just there as an insurance policy to the insurance policy. I'd rather be Nathan Peterman, somebody that I know that within 10, 15 yards is going to be able to move the offense for me consistently, especially when you got a back like Damian Pierce and a defense that can provide turnovers like this. All right, let's end the show. Told you it wasn't going to be LaMichael Piron. You're probably thinking, all right, Texans trade for who at running back then to pair with Damian Pierce? Yes, there's not a lot of free agent running, I mean, young running backs that were getting waived. Uh, 49ers kept Trey Mason and Jordan, uh, I'm excuse me, yeah, uh, Trey Sermon and Jordan Mason. Um, uh, I'm just trying to remember all the young guys that had a chance of possibly getting waived. Anyway, Josh Johnson for the Seahawks got injured. Uh, Jarrett Patterson's a guy that if you want like some type of receiving role out the backfield, probably come in, uh, do a couple things, maybe some arrow route, routes for you as well. He might be worth kicking the tires on. Um, but the guy that's been speculated about because the Vikings, after Dalvin Cook, they brought in, brought in Ty Chandler, who I love. Last year, they brought in uh, Keeney or Kinney. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. But uh, they've got those two guys, those two young guys behind Dalvin. They feel comfortable with that, so they can move on from Alexander Madison. Madison's only 24 years old. His stats last year's yards per carry were really down. But before that, he's played and showed well and all that. Wouldn't be opposed to it, but my thought process to it is that if the Texans wanted Alexander Madison, when they traded Ross Blacklock to the Vikings, then instead of trading a seventh, you know, Blacklock in the seventh to get a six-round pick, when you've already got three six-round picks, I felt like they could have got Alexander Madison back in that deal because I don't think you're getting much more for Alexander Madison. Uh, I know the contract's cheap. I know he's only 24, uh, but yeah, it's a one-year rental, basically. Uh, to steal some NBA terms. All right, but the last one, shoot your shot. The move that you've got to go out there and do, and you probably still got a sour taste in your mouth trading for a running back with the Browns. So, you know, get over that. This ain't Duke Johnson. This is Dearness Johnson. Yes, there's a difference. Uh, Dearness Johnson, every time he's had a chance to show when Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, either one of them's gone down or both of them been down, he is shown well. And they brought in uh, Jerome Ford, the rookie running back, They've got Kareem Hunt, as I mentioned. You've got Nick Chubb. And you've also got Demetric Felton, who can – it gives you a little Tavon Austin. I'm not Tavon Austin. Uh, Tom Montgomery. Well, he's a little bit wide receiver, can run regular wide receiver routes and give you something out the backfield, catch out the backfield. So they've kind of got four guys there, five if you count Dearness Johnson on that roster or uh, also if you count Demetric Felton. As a running back, they've got five, but I found it interesting because in the last preseason game, Andrew Barry for the Browns was up in the press box doing an interview and he talked about, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically saying that they view their running back different probably than most teams around the NFL looking at them. And I don't know if that was more to do with Demetric Felton saying, hey, we view him as kind of running back slash wide receiver. So he gives us some wide receiver depth so we can keep Dearness Johnson on as well. Or it could just be a pretty good sales pitch where you're saying like, hey, we don't need to move any of these guys. But the fact is that if they keep Kareem Hunt, I think Dearness Johnson, especially with the draft pick of Ford and what you get from Felton as your fourth guy, if you will, I think a trade for Dearness Johnson just makes too much sense. And I think that you could get to that fifth round pick. I mean, I think you can get to a fifth round pick on Dearness Johnson. I believe it's one year left on the trade. Bring in Dearness Johnson, let him be the backup to Damian Pierce. And you want you don't want to put all the all the miles on Damian Pierce this year. Unless you truly believe the Texans are playing for a playoff spot, then keep Damian Pierce fresh for 2023, 2024, the entirety of that rookie contract. Bring in another guy to eat some of that workload and take that Florida blessing of them 
not really working Damian Pierce a lot. Who knows why? Who cares why? Take that blessing and continue to keep the tread like brand new tires, you know, coming off the lot as long as you can. And don't let him get those carries. I mean, the good thing about Burkhead is that Burkhead is one of the top five backs last year in short yardage carries. Where you're like, well, Damian Pierce can do that. Why would you want him? Third down and two. Everybody's on the line. You've got eight 300-pounders out there piled into the box knowing that the running back's coming up the middle. Hey, Rex, I'm going to need you to go ahead and take that. Fourth and one, I'm going to need you to stay out there and take that too. I mean, I'm not putting those licks on Damian Pierce. So I get it with Burkhead. But you still don't have a number two on the roster, and they do have to get it. I think the best one that's reasonably out there now or possibly out there is Dearness Johnson, and that's the move I would make. Hey, guys, I want to thank Mark Larson for producing for us tonight from iLogic Media. Him and Johnny Danger always do a great job for us. For Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network's NFL insider, also Texans insider locally for Sports Talk 790 and KPRC2. I'm Jason Braddock. We want to thank you. It means a lot to us for you tuning in for Episode 6, the 2022 Houston Texans. This is the Houston Football Show by Inside Edge. Thank you for listening to the Houston Football Show brought to you by Inside Edge.